the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Hello, Cleveland. It's not Bob France. It's Pete Kirst now on Salem 1420 WHK, the listening area also of 1420 HK, whether it's a computer, whatever it may be, home of the smartest, strongest, fastest, toughest, and best-looking people in America. This is Always Right, Salem 1420 WHK. Again, Pete Kirst now substituting for the irreplaceable Bob France this Tuesday, August 8th of 2023. We have a real treat here because it's going to be predominantly open line Tuesday because we have a lot to talk about with you. But in the bottom of the hour, we have the great Bernie Marino, Senate candidate, who's going to be joining us. That's at 9.30 today. Bernie Marino's going to be joining us. But after that, it's Open Line Tuesday. <clears throat> talk about anything you want to talk about, the debacle at the border, the debacle in the White House, the debacle everywhere. But a lot of debacles to talk about here. <clears throat> well, of course, we're going to be talking about Issue 1, but if you want to discuss anything whatsoever, after the bottom of the hour, please call in. Again, the number, if you want to call in, is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Regular listeners know that by heart. Or 
888-281-1110. Talk about anything you want to talk about. The Browns, you name it, the greatest political corruption scandal in history. Biden's making uh, money from China, but, you know, the media is completely silent about it. I saw a graph yesterday from the Media Research Center that showed the coverage of the greatest political corruption scandal in American history, inarguably such, that is, the Biden corruption scandal, versus the coverage of the latest Trump indictment. And it was, I believe it was 148 minutes of network primetime coverage of the indictment of Trump and only eight minutes of the greatest political corruption scandal in history. They're covering for the moron-in-chief like crazy. They belong to the same political persuasion. They are simply just scribes for the most incompetent administration we have seen in my lifetime. I can't speak for the entire uh, history of the country, although I know my history fairly well. There are some others who have, uh, you know, maybe some competitive arguments. But in my lifetime, this has been without question the worst. Not just the most corrupt, but the most incompetent. Everything they do seems to have a negative consequence for the American people, but they've got the media on their side almost uniformly. They've got most of the institutions which they've captured for quite some time. When you have that kind of disparity in terms of media coverage, and again, we've seen this kind of thing for 30 to 40 years, but it's gotten so ridiculous now with respect to Biden because they got to do some heavy lifting. They can't let even a sliver of information come out about Biden that is not biased and even with that, by you know, uh, Biden's got some serious problems. This morning, for example, new poll came out showing that. Remember the Kirstenau maxim that unless the Democratic Party nationally gets eighty-eight percent plus, eighty-eight percent is the floor. Unless it gets eighty-eight percent of the black vote, Democratic Party goes the way of the Whig Party. They cannot win unless they get eighty-eight plus percent. Of the black vote. And even with that, it's a struggle. Here's what's making Democrats freak out completely right now. This morning, they only have 49% support among minority voters. That's black and Hispanic voters. Of course, that, the, the Hispanic vote probably far lower than the black vote in, for, in terms of support for the Democratic Party. But with 49%, DEFCON, whatever. It, it is alarm time for the Democrats. So that's why you're going to hear more histrionic um, statements made from their politicians, from the media. But I repeat myself, uh, this is very, very dangerous. And we as conservatives should be applauding that, encouraging that, doing everything that we can to expand that percentage of minority votes that is starting to align themselves with the Republican Party. Great news, great news. We can talk about the greatest political corruption scandal in American history, um, the utter collapse of our public educational establishment, our school children performing so poorly, so poorly in comparison with other developed and less developed nations, the pornification and our cultural decadence not seen since the Weimar Republic. We could talk about that if you wish. The collapse of our great cities into dystopian hellholes with rampant crime. You see it all the time. By the way, how many of you saw that guy who was putting all kinds of stuff? He was in a store, just kind of shoplifting everything you want to, putting into a, a garbage can with impunity until 
The valiant owners of the place got out a stick and started beating him. Every single American in the country was cheering that, with the exception of Biden and his crew, because they're on the side of the criminal, of course. They're doing everything they can to enhance criminal rights. I loved it. I cheered, and if you think I'm a bad guy, too bad. My father would have done the same thing, and I guarantee you 99.9% of the listening audience cheered also. Maybe silently. Because maybe you were in a, an environment where you had a lot of progressives around who were commiserating with the poor guy who got beat up because he was stealing from hard-working Americans. We need a lot more of that. And if we could have more mayors, more city administrations that ha- w- would let the cops do their job instead of kowtowing to the criminal lobby, we would have better livable cities. But again... Talk about rampant crime, the filth, dysfunction, the rise of China, and their treatment of us with utter contempt. Utter contempt, because they know they've got the Biden administration in their hip pocket. We could talk about the ongoing crisis at the border. Nearly 7 million, 7 million illegal aliens just in the last two and a half years have crossed the border. I did a, a, uh, an article for National Review last year where I got the available stats. And, of course, this is very understated because we can't even begin to imagine how many people have gotten away. But just about the, the available stats, thousands of people who had already been convicted of major crimes such as murder and rape, already convicted, not before that, not after they came here to the United States, but in their homelands, thousands have crossed the border. And many of the people, you see, Look at some of my uh, National Review articles where I talk about the percentages of people who, once crossing the border, commit crimes. The percentage is through the roof. Do not believe the major media who tries to tell you that, oh, this is no big problem. It is a huge problem. 100,000 Americans per year die from fentanyl coming across that border, and the Biden administration does not do one thing about it. Unforgivable, folks. Unforgivable. Take it out on them at the ballot box. Must do it. And, of course, speaking of ballot box, we've got issue one today. You know how to vote. You know how to vote on issue one. Yes, on issue one. Why? Why do we need it? Well, I don't have the, uh, I don't have seven hours to tell you every single reason why you should do so. Suffice it to say that anything that the left opposes, you should be in favor of. But I'll give you a little bit more. You know how much money Soros and Zuckerberg and all these other folks have. They dwarf, dwarf the amount of money conservatives slash Republicans have and commit to the political process. Zuckerberg alone, in the last election, $400 million. We can't compete, folks. You know, they've got the oligarchs. They've got the plutocrats funding all of their initiatives. We don't have that. We have hardworking men and women who have energy, commitment, and love this country. You know, but they may not have the amount of money to to be contributing. With folks like that contributing, they want to have all manner of initiatives on the ballot. They want to change our Constitution so Ohio is not a plus eight red state. Please vote yes on issue one. This is imperative, folks. This is the last day you can vote. We've had early voting. Today is voting day. Most conservatives come out on the day that we're supposed to physically be present to vote. Please do so. Please do it. It's your patriotic duty to do so, okay? But going back to what I said before, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm still, I even amaze myself with that figure. I can't imagine 100,000 deaths. I can't imagine that figure comes out of my mouth. Mouth, twice the total deaths, nearly twice the total deaths 
in the entire Vietnam War in one year. One year. And the Biden administration is sitting there, and Mayorkas, who a long time ago should have been impeached, by the way, call Jim Jordan's office, demand Mayorkas be impeached, okay? Maybe we'll never get to Biden, but Mayorkas needs to be impeached. When you have that many people crossing the border, when you have 100,000 deaths due to fentanyl coming across the border, fentanyl manufactured by Biden's patron China and brought over by the cartels, which are wealthy beyond belief, and run Mexico 100,000 Americans. I don't care if it was 100 Americans. If it was one American, that's too much. And the Biden administration, Joe Biden has been on vacation. I can't remember what the exact figure is, but it was some extraordinary amount, something like 15 times or, no, uh, 12 times more than any other president at this point in their respective administrations. Of course, he's on vacation when he's in the White House also, so it really doesn't matter. But this is extraordinary, folks. Must do something about it. We've, we can talk about the, the fact that we have the degradation of our military leadership into a woke farce that's more likely to win a drag queen story hour competition than a war against a peer or even a near peer military opponent. Anything you want to talk about, it's all on the table. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Bernie Marino. And then after that, it's Open Line Tuesday. Again, I'm going to give you the numbers again on Always Right 216. 901-0945-1888-281-1100. Please call in. This is Pete Chris now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. You know from the bumper music that it's not the Bob France hosting this show. It's Pete Kersnow holding this sh- uh, hosting this show. Jimi Hendrix again. Folks, we've got a republic to save. Kind of paraphrasing my friend Larry Elder. Um, talking about a lot of different things today. At the bottom of the hour, we've got Bernie Marino. But the rest of the day, the rest of this morning, that is... At the 10 o'clock hour, hour until the end of the show is going to be open line Tuesday for your calls only. Bernie Marino at the bottom of the hour. And then, guys, call in. Please call in. We can talk about all manner of things, uh, such as, well, you know, I, first I want to thank all of the organizations that have asked me to speak over the last uh, just several weeks. I've had so many different speaking engagements. It's been fun. It's been informative. Uh, the people there were were phenomenal tremendous conservatives at these places. I just, and I'm going to miss some of the organizations. There was the Lorraine County uh, All American Picnic, uh, the East Side GOP. I was in DC. The Cuyahoga Valley Republicans in Brexit, I think, is the only one that didn't invite me. And I think it's because they hold a grudge because I inter- returned an interception for a touchdown with only seven seconds remaining against their high school football team. And they're still holding a grudge. That's from 50 years ago, but they're still holding a grudge. Speed kills return the interception i can't remember it was at least 50 yards it was probably it's probably 120 yards i rang back and forth just to tease them but in any event that's why they're not inviting me but hey everybody else in the listening area it was great uh the east side gop the lakewood or lakewood or west shore gop um as i said before lorraine uh, county republicans everybody in the world it was so much fun um, meeting all of you folks, and if you see me at other speaking engagements, please come in and introduce yourself. I love talking to all of you great Americans. 
want to talk a little bit about uh, issue one, and uh, you've heard a lot about it. I don't have much to add. The very fact that it is supported by the enemy of the people, frankly, is enough for you to get out there. It is imperative that you do so. Ohio is a plus eight Republican state. But the left is doing everything they can to flip Ohio, as they are trying to do with Texas. They've got the money to do it. They don't have the people, but they have the money to do it. They can flood the zone with ads and misleading literature and you name it in order to secure the correct percentage on any given initiative. So what issue one will do, it has to do with amending the Constitution. It only has a 60% threshold. The United States Constitution, by the way, has a two-thirds and a three-quarters of legislative uh, legislature threshold. That's a very high threshold comparatively, but that's because we don't want to amend the Constitution willy-nilly based on the fads of the day, based on the amount of money some some organization has and they can have an election in off-season uh, election in a mid-cycle. And when a political party has got the ability to raise money like the Democrats do, let's face it, I give them credit. They've got a lot more money than the Republicans have, and they know how to deploy it, and they're very good at this stuff because they are the party of government. This is what they concentrate on 24-7. They're much better than Republicans at politics. Not governance, but politics. They they have all of these systems down. They do this stuff 24-7. So we need to compete with them, and we need a constitution that can't simply be changed by outside interest money that comes into the, the state. And a constitution is a constitution. It's not an ordinance. It's not a statute. It's something that is the foundational document for any given um, um, uh, political subdivision. The constitution it is the operating document that gives rise to any other statutes or regulations. It is what empowers the legislature to act in a certain way and confines the manner in which our elected representatives can govern us. It shouldn't be changed at the whim of just you know a handful of voters or outside special interest groups. So, issue one, vote yes. Get out there if you haven't done so already. Get out there and vote. You know, it's going to be... Um, uh, we still have another 10 to 11 hours to vote, but make sure you get out there. Don't put it off anymore if you haven't uh, taken advantage of early voting. Make sure you get out there so that if something arises during the course of the day, it doesn't prevent you from getting out there to vote. Issue one, again, very important. So anything you want to talk about, if you want to talk about the Browns, we can talk about the Browns. They had there in the Hall of Fame game. What do you think the Browns are going to do this year? What do you think that Joe Biden's going to do? Joe Biden, as I said at the outset, was on vacation forever and ever. Amen. He had 364 vacation days in just two and a half years. 300 and so, frankly, I wish it had been more vacation days because whenever he's in the White House, things go wrong. By the way, um, we all know that uh, you know there was cocaine in the White House. Okay, We all heard about that. In the history of the Republic, they had never found cocaine in the White House. Then just serendipitously, when... The one president who has a crack-addled son in the White House, there's cocaine. We have to figure out, well, how did that happen? I have no idea. Secret Service doesn't know. How did that happen? I have no clue. Boy, it's a real mystery. I'm scratching my head. I have no idea where that cocaine came from. The provenance of cocaine is just simple mystery for us all. Folks, Pete Kersenow, sitting in for Bob France, always right at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to Bernie Marino, and then it's your phone calls. I know a couple people are holding already. 
please hold on. After we're done with Bernie, we're going to go straight to your calls, and we're going to have a great, rollicking time, and I hope the license for the station still prevails at the end of it. Unreason. Always write radio with Bob Fratt and the answer. Pete Kersenow subbing for Bob France here on 1420 on uh, WHK, the great James Brown, the boss. This is great music. Too, too bad we don't have good music like we did, say, 30, 40 years ago. We got crap music now. Sorry for my language, but it's the truth. James Brown was one of the greatest legends of all time. And uh, should play him every single day. We really should. Speaking of legends, you know, I was just kind of thinking about this. Um, I passed a mural in the uh, old arcade, which had a a photo of the Browns. And from my era, back in the day when I used to watch the Browns religiously, I don't anymore. But, uh, you know, the great folks, uh, the, the greatest athlete in my estimation of all time, Jim Brown, who passed away just recently. I had the privilege of almost being run over by James Brown, while I, Jim, James, Jim Brown, not James Brown, Jim Brown, while seated on the sidelines at the old Hiram training camp when I was a little kid, one of the highlights of my life. But, you know, there's so many of them. There's Lou Groza, Paul Brown, Blanton Collier, Ernie Green, Leroy Kelly, Bobby Mitchell, Frank Ram, Paul Warfield, Gary Collins. You remember them all. Dick Mojaleski, Bob Gain. And then the Indians were a lot more fun, even though they were, many times they were pathetic. But during that period of time, remember some of the folks we had, Vic Davilio, Mudcat Grant, Tito Francona, Leon Wagner, remember Daddy Wags? I know my, our callers remember all these folks. But in any event, I think we had, do we have Bernie yet? All right, very good. We're going to have Bernie Marino, candidate for Senate. I will tell you that I got to know Bernie a few years ago and became extremely impressed. I do not endorse candidates, as you know. I make a point of that. But if I did, um, <laughs> you couldn't find too many people as impressive as Bernie Marino. Bernie, are you there? Appreciate it. Yeah, Bernie. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I was just uh, telling people that Despite the fact that I don't endorse candidates, after I've gotten to know you, I've been extraordinarily impressed. You and I have a very similar worldview, although you're far more intelligent than I am, and that's where as successful as you are. Bernie, just a couple questions for you. If you have some time today, I want to talk about, just generally speaking, you're running for the GOP nomination to confront Sherrod Brown uh, to be senator from Ohio in a plus-eight state. Brown should not be a senator, given his liberal track record. But um, what distinguishes you, Bernie, from any other Republican candidate who would confront Sherrod Brown? Well, the big difference, uh, Peter, is that I'm an outsider to the political system. I've not been in politics my entire life. I've never been or held elected office. I've not been on a statewide ballot. The problem we have in D.C. is we have career politicians, people who go down there for their own personal career advancement instead of going down there to serve their country. That's 
biggest distinguishing factor. Number two is I have a track record of making things happen in the business uh, side of things. We have too many lawyers in Washington, D.C., no offense to lawyers, but the reality <laughs> is we need more perspectives, right? We need that outsider view. And third, and most importantly, Peter, as you know, I wasn't born in this country. I can never be president of the United States. So my superpower in D.C. is that I'm not looking for that next job. I'm going to go down there and, God willing, serve two terms in the United States Senate and then come home and hang out with you. Great. Hey, Bernie, I want to seize upon that third point because I think it's extremely important. The listeners know my opinion with respect to patriotism uh, without question and that very often recent immigrants to this country who came in the lawful way have a perspective that was shared by the forefathers. Tell me what being an American means to you. Well, my parents brought me to uh, America when I was a, a small kid, you know, just before my fifth birthday. I became a citizen on, when I was 18 years old. It was one of the greatest moments of my life, the greatest honors of my life. This country means everything to me. This is why I'm willing to put my family and my life through this process. It's because I want to give my kids and my grandkids and your kids and your grandkids the same thing we got, which is a better America, an America on the ascent. Right now, it's not looking that way, and that's why I'm jumping into this fight. This is the greatest country in the history of the world, and if we owe it to that next generation to leave it better for them, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work hard every day to make sure I can look my kids in the eyes when it's time to say goodbye and say, yeah, I'm giving you the same kind of gift that my parents gave me. Yeah, and I, I tell you, from my opinion, I think very often immigrants who came here lawfully truly appreciate the gifts that the founding fathers have bestowed upon us, and they fight vigorously to preserve them. So I understand that perspective. It's something that I think, from my own perspective, I'm not uh, necessarily telling people how to vote or anything, but I think it's essential because so many of our politicians seem to act as if they are embarrassed by America if don't hate it completely, try to upend the founding principles of this country. Truly astonishing, but having spoken to you, I know that's not the case with you. Bernie, um, tell us what distinguishes you from, say, some other GOP candidates for this particular position. What is it that makes you specially suited to represent the people of Ohio and to go up against Sherrod Brown? Well, but again, Peter, it's just about not, I'm not a career politician. I'm somebody who's uh, going there to serve the country. I've got a track record of building uh, success in business. And I think that same skill set transfers very well in the government. The reality is our government is broken today. We're spending insane amounts of money. We've added $1.8 trillion in debt in the last month and a half. Think about that for a second. Yeah, the, the other piece is Sherrod Brown's going to call any Republican a racist when they say we want a secure border. He's going to say we hate South Americans, we hate immigrants. Now, he can't. He still will say that to me, Peter. We'll know it's complete nonsense when he says that I hate immigrants and I hate South Americans. Although, as I often say, I have a couple cousins that are on the bubble. But, you know, every family's got that. What If, if you were to rank, say, the top three issues, and again, you would only be one of 100 senators, but senators are extremely powerful. They drive the debate. Even freshman senators can have significant influence in terms of what the Senate looks like. 
Um, what do you think are the top three priorities in your mind? It may not be something that you, you necessarily can get the rest of the Senate to sign on to, but if you had your druthers, if you were Senate Majority Leader, what would be the top three issues that you would address? Well, Joe Biden's given us the all-you-can-eat virtual buffet of disaster uh, right now. <laughs> but if you look at today, number one, in fact, I would be willing to stop the entire Senate its tracks to get our border secure. That is what we owe the American people. We cannot have a border that where 6 million people have crossed into this country illegally. So that is priority number one. We can get that done by simply changing our asylum laws to say that if you cross the border illegally, you're ineligible for asylum by declaring the drug cartels, terrorist organizations, and wiping them off the face of the earth, working with Mexico to do that. So that's number one. Number two, we have to end this absurd spending. We are going to, we have almost taken this country to the edge of bankruptcy. Like I said earlier, $1.8 trillion in new debt in the last 40 plus days. And number three is we have to bring this war in Ukraine to an end. We have to end the killing, Peter. We cannot uh, uh, stand by and watch hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians die. we got to push peace talks and re- uh, focus our attention on foreign policy to China, who's our greatest geopolitical threat. So those are the top three today. Who knows what Biden will come up with in the next 15 to 16 months before we regain the levers of power in this country. But right now, that's what I'm focused on. Uh, Bernie, you know, with respect to Ukraine, um, and, you know, I think almost every every American uh, opposes and was uh, repulsed by the invasion of Ukraine, and we naturally have a um, desire to thwart any type of aggression, especially from Russia. You know, people who remember World War II, remember these kind of things, you know, have a way of metastasizing. There's a domino effect. But right now, we are spending, depending upon who you listen to, uh, it could be, because we just don't know, up to $200 billion on Ukraine, but we won't secure our own border. Um, it seems as if many of establishment Republicans in Washington are all on board with the unlimited expenditure of resources toward Ukraine. How would you moderate that, given that you've got the Senate Majority Leader, for example, who thinks that Ukraine's our most important issue? Well, you have you have uh, Sherrod Brown in the Senate who represents us, right, Peter? He represents. He's supposed to represent us yeah. in D.C. He's voted against even auditing the money that we're sending to Ukraine. Think about that for a second, right? That there's no accountability. He's voted against that. Uh, Rand Paul had a very simple amendment last week uh, with the National Defense Appropriation Act that said, "Hey, let's remind everybody that Article Five exists. An attack on one is an attack on all." But it is the constitutional right exclusively of the United States Senate to declare war. And he was only able to get 16 uh, Republican senators on board with that. The reality is these career politicians who are going to D.C., Peter, they get to D.C., they stay in D.C., they get corrupted by D.C. And what is common sense to us here in Ohio becomes very different for them. And they view the world from that D.C. lens. That's why we need outsiders there who go there and say, guys, this makes no sense. This is they vote. They literally voted against our own Constitution. What do we do about spending? It's I mean, I agree with you. It's completely out of control. I remember it was just, I think, about eight years ago where 
the national uh, debt, different from the deficit, but debt was, I think, $10 trillion, And most of us were astonished by that. Any conservative would be. Now it's triple that. How do we rein that in? How do we get to some semblance of normalcy before we actually do go bankrupt as a country? Well, we have to do what you and I do at home every single day, what every single one of your listeners does every single day. You know how much money you have coming in, and you prioritize the money going out. I'll give you a small example, because there's no $5 trillion item that you can take out, right? This is a bunch of smaller items that are significant, but are totally out of whack. So the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City, I remember going there when I was a kid. It was a place where rich people stayed. That's what my parents told me. That's why we couldn't stay there, right? And right now, today in America, the United States taxpayer is paying $200 per night per illegal migrant family for 1,025 rooms completely sold out. So to do the math for you, $5 million a year to house illegal migrants. And here's the punchline, Peter. The hotel is owned by the Pakistani government. Think about that for a second. Just process that whole conversation. And then multiply that by thousands of bad decisions like that all over our budget. Those are the things that we have to eliminate and change. You know, um, just one minor issue that I've got with, <laughs> among thousands of them with the Biden administration is the depletion of the strategic oil reserve. Now, I understand that may, may not be on the top of everyone's mind, but it's part of this uh, strategy, if you want to call it that. I think it's ignorance, frankly. I don't think there's a defined strategy of making this, this is the Biden administration, making the United States energy dependent. Gas prices are more than 60% higher than they were on January 19th of 2021. It's, it's extraordinary what's going on here. What do we do to return the United States of America to being energy independent? We go right, and that's, that's another top priority, by the way. I should have mentioned that because nothing happens with inflation, and therefore nothing happens with interest rates without energy dominance. It can be done. President Trump did it. We were energy independent for the first time in 75 years. We would benefit tremendously in Ohio because we have great natural energy reserves. We have to unleash nuclear. We have to unleash natural gas. We have to go strong and clean coal. The reality is we can be an energy powerhouse in America, and that's what will allow us to bring prices down, interest rates down, and reshore the manufacturing jobs that will enshrine our middle class and grow our middle class, which is what we gutted and sold out over the last 40 or 50 years. You may know this, stat, Peter. In 1949, six of the wealthiest 14 cities in America were in Ohio. Cleveland, where you and I are from, was the second wealthiest city in America. Today, we don't even make the top 50. That's a gutting out of our middle class, of our industrial base that we have to return. We can only do that if we have affordable, reliable American energy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in 1954, Detroit, Michigan was the wealthiest city in the country. Detroit, Michigan, and now it looks like Hiroshima on uh, August 10th of 1945. It's really extraordinary what they've done in terms of gutting the manufacturing base, which you're right, was the font of wealth throughout this country. And by wealth, I don't mean, you know, just, you know, 
Paul, J. Paul Getty type of wealth. I'm talking about middle class wealth. It created the biggest middle class in history. People who could actually live in their own homes. It was a great period of time, and it's denigrated constantly by the left. Speaking of that, it gets a little bit into cultural issues. And I, I know that, you know, in the Senate, there's not much to do with respect to cultural issues, but there is a push to expand such things such as with respect to parental notification of what's going on in schools where there's an effort to deny parents the knowledge of what's being taught to their kids or whether or not a kid for example wants to transition or is using different pronouns what's your position with respect to making parents aware of what's going on in schools well so i support what J.D. Vance is doing, who, by the way, as you know, Peter, is endorsing this race. Uh, him and I are going to make a great team in D.C. I support his effort 100%, which is to have a federal role to say you cannot mutilate a child. Five years ago, that would have been a nonsensical statement to make because it would have been so obvious. But we cannot be performing experimental surgeries, experimental drugs on children under the guise of helping that child go through a mental illness problem. That is common sense. That should be something that everybody signs up to. Sheriff Brown is opposed to that, which tells you everything you need to know about him. In terms of schools, there's nothing more hyper-local than schools. The federal government should have as little role in local education as possible. But what that means is that I can, as a United States Senator, bring the weight of that office to help advance the cause of really good school board members to raise that platform to get them elected because we need smart parents in local communities actively engaged uh, controlling their kids' education. And as a United States Senator from Ohio, I'm going to help those school board candidates get across the finish line. Excellent. Uh, As you know, Bernie, right now the United States, which used to be number one in math in the entire world, is 39th in the world. Now that was... uh, you know, if you were third or fourth, you could say that developed countries such as Germany or maybe Great Britain or places like that, maybe, you know, South Korea might beat us any given year. But when you're 39th, that means third world countries are beating you. 26% of high school kids, 26% only are proficient in math and only 31% proficient in reading. That used to be the province of inner city schools in Baltimore and Detroit, and now that's nationwide. Do you think the Department of Education is actually carrying its weight? Are they doing more harm than good? Well, clearly the stats are uh, the stats are what you just said. I mean, look at the Department of Education's abject failure. Fifty plus thousand bureaucrats in D.C. trying to tell local communities how to run their schools. The reality is, they're they're uh, instead of teaching actual math, they're teaching kids to count the number of genders. Right? That's ridiculous. They're teaching kids that. My son, they're teaching him that there's something wrong with him because he's Hispanic. They're teaching your kids there's something wrong with them because they're black. When you and I both know, that is complete garbage. Our kids are exceptional because they work hard. They're smart. They do their homework. They read. It has nothing to do with their background, their heritage, or the color of their skin. This is what the Department of Education, the garbage that's throwing down our kids' throats, and we're going to stop. Phenomenal. Great. Bernie, thanks so much. Good luck to you in your race against Sherrod Brown. I'm pretty sure you're going to be the nominee. And when you do, everybody go out, vote for Bernie. we got to get another Republican senator. Sherrod Brown is a disaster. Bernie Marino, good luck to you. Thanks very much. Thank you.
Good morning, Cleveland. Pete Kirsten now back with you on Always Right. Substituting for Bob France, we just had Bernie Marino, Senate candidate, GOP Senate candidate, who, uh, frankly, I'll tell you the truth, I, I agree with him on almost everything I can think of. And so for your consideration, think about Bernie, Bernie Marino. Uh, Sherrod Brown is now your senator. If you are satisfied with that, you know, don't vote or vote for Sherrod Brown. If you want something better, it's your God-given right to have something better. Boy, you know which way to go after hearing that conversation. Let's go to, we've got callers on the line. Let's go to Sally in Berea. Sally, what's on your mind? Hi, happy election day. Yes. There are still a few more hours left to get to the polls to cast this crucial vote on issue one to protect our Ohio Constitution and strengthen it. But looking forward, I'm wondering if there is a way to require that before an amendment to the Ohio Constitution can be put on the ballot, that first it must go through the legislative process so that outside interests can't circumvent the will of the majority of Ohio's Ohioans like is happening in November with that abomination that's that we'll be voting on. So thanks for your input. Well, thank you, Sally. Yeah, w- without question, look, amending a constitution is a big deal. It shouldn't be done out of whim. It shouldn't be the province of those who've got the money to spend well, on thank initiative. You, Sally. Yeah, w- without question, look, amending a constitution. Yeah, Luke, well, it sounds like we're thing. getting some feedback here. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are getting this reverberation. A position that we need to have some basis upon which we can amend the Constitution in a deliberate fashion. It shouldn't be done on a whim. It should be done in a very considered fashion. Thank you. Pete Chris now here, sitting for Bob France. Hold on, because it's going to be a roller coaster ride. We are going to have fun. We're going to cause some damage. And at the end of this, WHK may not have a broadcasting license. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Good morning, Cleveland. It's not Bob France. It's Pete Kersnow sitting in for the great Bob France. We've got, for the next hour and a half, completely open lines. We do have one. We're beginning to a couple calls in a moment, but otherwise completely open for you, the listeners. No more guests. We had Bernie Marino in the first hour, had an entertaining discussions on a whole variety of issues. We'd like to engage you in similar discussions I have a couple of things to say just before I get to the calls, and I'm going to get to you in just a minute. So, TJ, who I know, hold on, Charlie, hold on. Anybody who's holding, hold for a moment. And anybody who's not called, call in, because we're going to get to you. A couple things. Number one is, you know, I talked a little bit about the fentanyl crisis coming across the border. Uh, 100,000 people dying, twice the death total in the entire Vietnam War. There's so much going wrong in this country, but there are some glimmers that this won't be going on for that much longer. In other words, we're going to get the moron-in-chief out of the Oval Office pretty soon. One of the more devastating things, and I mentioned this at the top of the hour for the Democratic Party, the reason why they're pulling out all the stops is because, as you know, the Kirstenau maxim is they've got to get 88% minimum of the black vote in order to have any hope of prevailing in a national election. And right now, among all minority voters... They're only at 49%. It is, they're shrieking, they're going crazy. 
And there's a lot of reasons for that, but we've got to continue to expand the electorate for the GOP. We've got to stop the lunacy that's going on, and that starts with voting yes on issue one. The left is pouring tons of money into a plus eight red state for a reason. If you haven't yet voted, please, it only takes a few minutes. Maybe it'll take you an hour. Who knows? But the polling stations are open. Spend the time to get to the polls and vote yes on issue one. Now, some have called for defunding and dismantling the FBI, which many see, especially under uh, Comey and Ray, as you know the Stasi of the Democratic Party. Maybe that's a little harsh. You know, I've known FBI agents. Uh, I've learned uh, a lot of things from FBI agents. You know, during the course of my career as an attorney, and uh, also as a uh, nominee for various positions where they've got to do background checks on you, great folks with respect to the rank and file. But at the leadership level, it is extraordinarily troubling what's going on. Comey and Ray have done a remarkably good job of trying to convince people that the Bureau is the Democratic Bureau of Investigation. Consider one thing I humbly told Donald Trump, and I think I've mentioned this on the air before when I met with him, is I gave him the stats from the election, that the election that he won in 2016, and I said, you know, your greatest enemy is going to be not the folks, the you know, the Democrats in the Senate and the House, but the administrative state, more than 90% of which are Democrat, I mean, hardcore progressives. We're not just talking about casual Democrats here. And it's more than 90% in certain departments, such as Department of State. DOJ, for example, the Department of Justice that is going after Trump tooth and nail, 92% of the vote from employees of the Department of Justice, the lawyers in the Department of Justice, went for Clinton. Think about that. Not, not 50%, not 51%, not even 58%, 92%. And you can see what's going on with Garland and everybody else. They favor the number. It's not nonpartisan. The administrative state is the biggest impediment to a functioning democratic republic. The FBI, for example, they knew that Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy. Think about that. Sleeping with a Chinese spy said and did nothing. You know, um, you look at Democratic mayors were also sleeping with a few sleeping with a lot of people. Said nothing about it. our principal adversary and what was going on. What was the FBI doing? They had Hunter Biden's laptop for over a year. They knew it was genuine. They said nothing about it, even when 51 intelligence ag- uh, uh, members, intelligence agency members from, you know, uh, all those, <laughs> you saw them on TV, these lying, thieving, clowns who claimed that it was Russian disinformation. They knew it was not Russian disinformation, and polls show that that changed the outcome of the election. Had people known about that, at least 6% of the vote would have shifted Donald Trump would be president. They knew the Russian dossier was a Hillary Clinton scam, yet they allowed and assisted Democrats in the media to perpetuate the greatest fraud political fraud in American history to take down a sitting president. So I know that uh, pretty soon the FBI is going to come after me for saying all these things, but if if you hear, no longer hear Kirstenau, you think, or hear something bad has happened to Kirstenau, you know what the provenance of that was. Let's go right now to TJ in Cleveland. TJ, how are you? 
Hi, Peter. Always a pleasure. Uh, you know, Peter, I'm thinking this abortion issue, and I still haven't gotten over this. When I returned from Vietnam, I was going on leave, and I'm in the uh, airport, uh, Seattle-Tacoma Airport. As I'm walking through one of the tunnels, some lefty had put up a poster of a Vietnam soldier with a baby stuck on the end of a bayonet. And the caption read, Visit Vietnam, the fun capital of the world. Now, since then, these people have murdered more babies, these lefties, than Hitler, Stalin, Genghis Khan all put together. Millions of them since then. And I wonder how they would like it if somebody put up a poster of an abortion doctor with a baby stuck on the end of a scalpel saying, Register Democrat, the fun party of the world. I don't think they would appreciate it, you know, like what, what they did to us. TJ, as I always say, thanks very much for your service. You're a great caller. And, you know, we know we can draw so many contrasts like the one that you just presented. It starts to get to the point where you go, like, what's the use anymore? Because they've got this fixation. It is a sacrament for them, it seems, and it's the most important issue for them. It's the one they run on all the time. And even if they're not running on that discrete issue, they inject it into most any election imaginable. They're all, you know, someone's going to take away your hallowed right to an abortion. Um, we have different views of what life is in this country. And uh, it is a driving factor for both sides. And I'll simply say, what side do you want to be on? What side do you want to be on, America? When you look at those babies, what side do you want to be on? You know, and then make a decision. TJ, thanks so much. We've got some other folks holding. Good to talk to you again. Let's talk to Charlie. Hey, hey, Peter. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, you were, you were talking to uh, Bernie Marino earlier. Yep. And I'm thinking the Senate, they get to choose the Supreme Court. You know, they, uh, they confirm the Supreme Court justice. So it's very important who our senator is. Now, about eight years ago, I turned on Rob Portman because he came out for gay marriage. He said, my son's gay, so I support gay marriage. And I turned on him. He was no longer a conservative. Well, I've gone to each one of our Senate candidates, the three big ones, and asked them publicly the same question, is gay marriage here to stay? And they all say yes. That is not conservative. I, I believe all this transgender stuff, all this this gender fluidity, all comes from eight years ago when the federal government stamped approval on homosexual activity. And we've got to, it's a disease of our heart. We've got to get rid of this, this, uh, same sex marriage. It's, it, we should not be saying that homosexuality is normal. We did that and we're, we're reaping it. And all three of our candidates, all of them, I publicly said, is gay marriage here to stay? And all three said yes. So what do you think? Well, the Supreme Court, um, you know, they, they, um, upheld it. And you can, uh, talk to Justice Kennedy about that, but, the law of the land now is that gay marriage is a right. So there's no real... Well, unless changed, uh, unless well, you amend... Well, after 50 years, we could change this after eight. All we need is a, another couple of Supreme Court justices that think clearly that our country doesn't need all this craziness that's going on. You know, drag queen story. It's all because we said gay is normal. It really is. Well, the it's the Supreme Court decision that, uh, you know, we've got... Actually, it's not just one Supreme Court decision, but there are several around the periphery of the decision that is what needs to be overturned if you're going to say that there's no longer going to be a right to gay marriage because that's the, the law of the land right now. Unless you've got some constitutional amendment to change um, 
gay marriage, there's no way in the world that that can be reversed. So that's, um, that's, if, if you're opposed to certain matters, if you're opposed to certain issues with respect to our culture, remember that your vote at almost every level counts, and especially when it comes to voting for the Senate. As you indicated, uh, it is a matter of Senate confirmation, and if you've got a certain number of Republican senators, you may have a greater chance of getting the Senate, or I'm sorry, the Supreme Court justices that you want. But other than that, there is no way of changing that. So thanks very much for your call. Let's go to, let's see, we got Diane in West Park. Good morning, Pete. Thank you for a terrific interview with Bernie Marino. He's, uh, his points were uh, very succinct, and uh, I think he'd be making someday a really great presidential candidate. I hope he makes it uh, to the Senate. Well, Diane, as Bernie did indicate, he would be ineligible to be president. And actually, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Right. He'd be ineligible because he was born in another country. He's a lawful immigrant to this country. That's why he cherishes all of the rights and privileges afforded thereby. But he can't be president. And as he indicated, uh, that's actually a selling point for him because he's not looking for higher office, which seems to be the, um, um, aim of almost everybody who runs for office. That is, they want to get to the next level up. But Bernie is simply running for, not simply, it's a big deal, but he's running for senator from Ohio to defeat Sherrod Brown. He has no aspirations and has no ability to get any other office, any higher office, that is. So you can be certain that he's going to be serving as a senator and serving faithfully along the the, the um, sensibilities of the voters of the state of Ohio. So Diane, well, I certainly hope I certainly hope whoever becomes the candidate for the Senate in Ohio that uh, conservatives and Republicans will get behind him and uh, roll Sherrod out and roll the uh, conservative senator in. I I do have a question for you, Pete. Um, this has been kind of, uh, it might seem kind of trivial, but every time I hear an ad for the opposition on um, issue one, I wonder if Salem Group needs to, is required to accept political ads that oppose the message of everyone on the uh, station. Yeah, uh, Di- 1220 I- and 1420. Yeah, um, from a legal perspective, I'm, I'm not sure. I am pretty certain that they've got to, that they can't discriminate on that basis. Don't take my word for it, though, because I am just a poor little old labor lawyer, but my understanding is, yes, Salem needs to accept those ads. Well, it's very discouraging to hear them, but uh, we know how we're voting, and uh, I voted early. I want to just say, uh, Pete, uh, when uh, we miss Bob Bigley when he's gone, but when uh, Seb Gorka takes over uh, another federal service position in the new Trump White House, I do hope that you will grace us with your great voice over the Cleveland airwaves. Diane, thanks so much. Hello, Cleveland. Pete Kirsten now sitting in for Bob France on Always Right. We've got callers holding. I want to get to as many of you as I can before the uh, end of the show. The person who's been holding the longest, and thanks very much, is Gary from Seven Hills. Gary, how are you? 
I'm great, Pete. Say, it would be interesting to know at what time of day Hunter Biden's meetings with the, the various uh, foreign entities took place. Because if they took place, for instance, in, in China, in Peking, at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's 3 o'clock in the morning in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and it would be hard to explain why a 79-year-old man got out of bed to call his son at 3 a.m. in the morning or 2 a.m. in the morning or wherever those those uh, phone, phone calls took place. Yeah, Gary, great also, minds. Yeah, think like Jim Jordan has that information. And I did a little bit of that math yesterday, not with respect to China, but with respect to uh, Dubai, there was a phone call. doesn't make sense to be taken for anybody to be taking phone calls at the time. I think it was like 7 or 7.30 in the evening in Dubai, which would make it about 12.30 or 1.30 here. And, uh, you know, we know that's way past, uh, you know, Joe Biden's bedtime. Right. And and it, it looks like that, we, that uh, Jim Jordan... And the other congressmen have have um, have established that that there was was a, a quid, you know, in quid pro quo. But what they've got to what they've got to uh, drill down to now is what the quo was. If there, if there was any direct activity that that Joe did to uh, inf- uh, as a result of the uh, payments to his son. And yeah. uh, just had one more thing. On the um, abortion issue, just a, a little history. If you recall, uh, in California, the people in California, I forget what year it was, they actually voted down um, gay marriage. And they and a, um, a Supreme Court justice who happened to be a homosexual, um, uh, one of the one of the three Supreme Court justices there voted to um, negate the will of the people, uh, and and um, regarding the the um, the gay marriage issue there, because he said that th- their vote was based on hate, <laughs> and I don't think their motivation matters, frankly. And then, so so actually, a, a group in uh, California brought the issue in front of the Supreme Court, our Supreme Court of the United States, uh, be, uh, saying that, you know, that, that just that justice or that the, they didn't have the power or the right to negate the right of the people. But um, it was thrown out of the Supreme Court based on standing. Now, those are smart people who are doing those, those um, manipulations. And uh, I mean, doing the, the, the attorneys who were, uh, do, doing the uh, the work on, on both sides, and it was pretty clear that that group who brought the 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 um, issue in front of the Supreme Court of the United States did not have standing, yeah. and that's TJ, why it got thrown out. Thanks very much for your call. Yeah. We're coming up against the bottom of the hour here, and they're telling me I got to go to break. Uh, for all those who are holding on, hold on past the break. We're going to get to you, and uh, we've got at least fifteen more minutes. Thanks very much. now sitting in for Bob France, the great Steppenwolf playing. We've got a number of people holding. We're going to go in order here. we got Cheryl from Wycliffe. Cheryl, are you on the line? 
Yes. Yes, I am. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is, is um, well, no, it's not a question. Uh, VP Harris seems to constantly put on her Twitter page, women should be in charge of their reproductive rights, their, her reproductive health care rights, not politicians. Well, she's a politician. Women have always been in charge of their reproductive rights, i.e., uh, OBGYNs, primary care physicians. So wouldn't um, I stand to be corrected that um, she is pertaining this to murdering of unborn children, abortion? Um, so to continue to push this, um, abortion scenario, this is what she would be saying, Mr. Kersenow? Well, Cheryl, with all due respect, you've got to consider Kamala Harris and the limited brain power with which she's operating. Okay? Correct. Um, we've, <laughs> we've, had, <laughs> we've had some interesting people in various offices, including, you know, I, I won't mention all of them, but uh, she really is kind of unique. And I have to say, with respect to Kamala Harris, I, I was um, one of those who thought that she might be formidable. Um, you know, she, I had limited not interaction with her. I've never really ever had any interaction with her, even though I, you know, I'm very, very often up on the hill testifying and otherwise. But, um, at least the little snippets that you would see of her before she became vice president, she seemed to be, uh, somebody who was, you know, she had been a former attorney general of California. She was a senator, you know, and you thought that, oh, it must be a fairly bright person until she opened her mouth frequently as vice president we found out that there's no there there so i give her a pass i mean she does have limited intellectual capacity she's going to say stupid things almost every time she opens her mouth we've seen that all over and over and again but what's troubling is she is vice president and we currently have a president who is addled um at some point if he were to win re-election god forbid who knows uh she might but, ascend to the presidency and this would be extremely troubling it's troubling right now the fact yes, that we've got folks would, yeah go ahead but this almost sounds atypical from a Hillary Clinton playbook because i've read some of miss clinton's uh tweets uh, so to say and it it's almost sounds like a typical from a uh, Planned Parenthood um, uh, um, uh, Planned Parenthood literature. Women have always, I believe, have a right to say, um, I, uh, well, should doctor, should I have a cesarean or not? Um, I, I, I'm like baffled by this that, you know, women have a, yes, we women have choices, men have choices, all right, in, uh, with, with their bodies, but this is pertaining to saying that, um, in all due respect, is saying in a roundabout way without her posting it on her Twitter page, um, reproductive rights, i.e. abortion, would you not agree? Yeah, I think that clearly she's referring to that. They don't want to say abortion. You know, they've, they've, look, they're, you know how politicians, both on the right and the left, they, you know, they, 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 uh, market test these, these terms. 
They don't use terms like this casually most of the time when they can remember to say the things that their handlers tell them to say because there are consequences. You may lose a point here or five points there depending upon the verbiage that you use. So, yes, there's, there's then no she doubt. needs to be held accountable then. I mean, she needs to be held accountable for which what she says because her, her uh, I mean, I don't want to call him my president, but Mr. Biden, he basically, or whoever writes for him on his Twitter page, um, posts the same uh, thing. Yeah. Well, you know, again, you're talking about politicians. You know, we have free speech in this country, and politicians, yes. they use it, uh, you know, they, it's not just free speech, but very often <laughs> it's twisted speech. And you've got to take that. Look, it's 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 the, the marketplace of ideas. You go back and forth, you use all kinds of different languages, and we've got to discern for ourselves what they're trying to say. Cheryl, thanks very much for your call. I've, I've got you. several people still holding with only a couple of minutes left. We're going to go to BJ. BJ, how are you? I'm good, Pete. Uh, three quick things. Number one, the civil war that is starting in our country, and I'll explain that briefly. The other thing is the election that's going on in the state of Ohio. One of the things we're going to see in the future ballot, not too in the distant, is for seniors to be eliminated because there's so many of them that are in nursing homes and they're going to want to pass, give them the pill. I mean, if we're willing to abort babies before they're born, why not dispose of people that are no longer active? You're going to see that coming on. The, the abortion of seniors who are in, in, in beds and, and, and are not able to do anything. The other thing is, when they go after Donald Trump this time, this, this civil war I'm talking about is, is going to get even more severe. And what I mean by civil war, look at all the shootings that are taking place in all the cities right now, currently, even in Cleveland, in the flats. People are going around shooting. How long do you think the Caucasian race is going to tolerate being shot at because they're white and they supposedly hate everybody? So we're in a, we're in a strange period of time in America, in a, in a very tumultuous time. And I'm hoping that... <laughs> If the creator gets bored with us, he's going to awaken us with, uh, with, and, and I think he's doing it with the weather currently, however. But there's a lot of interesting things. I'll be 93 in two more months, and the world I have seen in the past is getting a little bit spooky right now for the present, and I hope the young people wake up. And I think on the abortion uh, uh, rights thing, this should be a woman's issue. I can have an opinion as a man. I want to see babies born. But I think it's uh, it's going to be the women's decision. I would like your opinion. and Thank you for your time. Oh, my opinion would take a lot more than the time we've got, BJ. Thanks very much. BJ's 93. And I remember the last time I guess posted, BJ had some of the most insightful comments. BJ's 93. Our commander-in-chief is about 20 years, or almost 20 years younger than BJ. But consider the mental alacrity of BJ versus our commander-in-chief. And also consider what that portends. We only have time for a couple more calls. Let's go to Bill in Strongsville. Bill, how are you? And also consider what that portends. We only have time for a couple more calls. Bill, are you there? Hey, Peter. Peter? Yes, go ahead. You know, uh, talking, uh, talking about um, Sheriff Brown, Peter Schweitzer in his book, Profiles in Corruption, has one interesting point there is that on August 30th, 1983, almost 40 years ago, Sherrod Brown's chief of staff was murdered at the uh, office building in Cleveland, Ohio. 
and she was beaten, strangled. There was the auditor said it was a terrible, violent murder. She had a metal spike driven through her chest. She kept her door locked, and at the time, she was very concerned about Sherrod Brown's campaign finances, and she wanted to change jobs. So my point is, and this is kind of in Bob in Bob's uh, strike zone here. Why it keeps driven through her heart? Why can't the police now, with new DNA testing, get that spike and test it for DNA and test it for you know familial DNA? I just you know I, I to me it's like why have anybody question? Yeah, uh, I don't know much about that particular topic. I'm I am sure that if the uh, authorities think that there is a means by which they can solve any crime, they're going to exploit that. I don't know what their uh, priorities are in this particular case. So I'm I'm really uh, inept at being able to uh, address that, Todd. But uh, I I see not Todd Bill, but I appreciate that. Bill, uh, thanks very much for your call. We only have about a minute left. Let's go to Todd in South Euclid. Peter, thanks for taking my call. Let's get back to planet Earth. Uh, senior euthanasia, 40-year-old murders about Sherrod Brown. Simple MAGA 101 question. Do you think this election was stolen from Donald Trump? What I think is immaterial, I'll tell you what's troubling. I don't know. In almost every other election, I don't have the information. But in almost every other election, I've got sufficient information to simply say without question, unequivocally, no, it was not stolen. What I have seen, though, and not from conspiracy theorists, not at all, is this effort to silence anybody who even raises the question. They want to indict Trump for even raising the question. It's astonishing. Uh, no, no, they're indicting it's astonishing. Trump. It's astonishing. No, 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 no. They are suppressing, they're trying to suppress anybody and everybody from speaking in that fashion unequivocally. You, you know, if you watch MSNBC, CNN, and all those other places, you won't know that kind of stuff because they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. So the, the bottom line here is I don't know. I can't say equivocally out of a hundred something million ballots cast what was done, but I did see a number of huge irregularities and for Six years, virtually every prominent Democrat walked around in the woods like Hillary Clinton saying, election was stolen, election was stolen, election was stolen, we won, we won, we won, and tried to overturn the election, and yet despite that, nobody in the media said a thing. They promoted that. But if you're a Republican, you can never question the outcome of an election if a Democrat wins. We didn't invade the Capitol. Give me a break here. Give you a break? No, you tore down institutions across the country engaged in all kind with with the vice president's encouragement the burning down of institutions give me a break we're, Bob? we're in kentucky now and i just wanted to call in and and uh chat a little bit about issue one and election day today and i wasn't sure if we were on the air or off yeah you know, we're on now they tell me and i think we're up against the the uh break but we can continue talking for a couple of minutes we've been talking about issue one here we've had bernie marino on talking about issue one couple of uh, callers with respect to issue one. It is important, as you know, Bob, that uh, we have some integrity to amending the Constitution, the foundational document for the state from which all other laws proceed and must be compliant therewith. And we can't have the Zuckerbucks and the Soros money changing the way we do business or affecting the way we do business in Ohio because Ohio is a plus eight red state. 
Yeah, well, you're exactly right, and that's the reason I wanted to call. By the way, I did catch the entire interview with Bernie. Uh, he did a phenomenal job. Bernie Moreno is a great guy. He's a great candidate. Uh, obviously, there's a primary situation here, you know, that he's got to get through. But uh, I would love to see him in a matchup with uh, Sherrod Brown. I would love to see anybody take Sherrod Brown out of Washington, clearly. <clears throat> but that was a great interview. And um, we just left Bucky's. Have you ever ever been to Bucky's in Kentucky, uh, Pete? No, I haven't been to Bucky's in Kentucky. I think there's there are Bucky's in Texas, though, several of them, if I'm not there, mistaken. There's, there's only a handful of them. Yeah, it's crazy. There's like one in Indiana, there's one in Tennessee, there's one in Kentucky. They're kind of spread out. Anyway, anybody who knows Bucky's knows what I'm talking about. So I missed the last uh, couple of segments, but I just uh, got back in the truck and we're headed north again, and I wanted to uh, underscore what you just said. Um, this is so important for people to understand as they go out and vote today. I went on my social media last night in the hotel, and I was looking around at a number of people, and I mean a very large number of people saying, tomorrow is election day, and I still don't know which way to go. Can somebody explain to me whether I should vote yes or no? And there are so many undecided voters on issue 1P in this very special election to strengthen and fortify uh, our Constitution. And I just want as many people as possible whether it be online or over the airwaves, uh, to understand why it's so important to vote yesterday. If you are on the fence, we want to, you know, underscore the facts and, and you know, rebuff uh, all of the lies that have been told by the left, saying that this will kill democracy if we pass this very important amendment to protect the Constitution. And, you know, Pete, I was going to ask you, um, you know, as you hear the no on issue one side continue to say that this should be one person, one vote, one person, one vote, as if that's not the way we would continue to vote uh, if uh, and we would continue to decide the initiatives and so forth. Do you understand what they mean about protecting one person, one vote and how increasing the threshold to 60 percent? somehow to play one person, one vote. I'm failing to understand what they even mean. That's the purpose. They want to confuse the electorate. And we see this very often from similarly situated voters or similarly situated advocates. That is complete falsehood and fraud. One vote per person still pertains in Ohio. This has to do with amending the foundational document for the state of Ohio. The foundational document for the United States of America has an even higher threshold as it should. You don't want to treat a constitution like a piece of tissue paper that can be amended or torn apart at any time. So almost everything, Bob, you know this, almost everything we hear from the left on the campaign whatsoever with respect to issue one or almost anything is some distortion of the truth. Because if the yeah. truth were spoken, the outcome is clear. There's no doubt about that. So you've got to somehow shield the scrutiny, shield scrutiny of what the truth is so they can get your, you know, really screwed up perspectives passed. But I think issue one is going to prevail. I encourage everybody to get out there. No excuses, folks. If you're at work right now, take time off at lunch or make sure you motor down to your polling station when you're done with so work. Important. Make sure to vote. It's imperative that you do so. So, Bob, you got it anything? Is, and, you know, we can do this. Yeah, we, we, we can do this. Listen, we were outspent somewhere in the neighborhood of $14 million to $4 million in um, uh, advertising and promotion for, you know, in, in, this, uh, in this election. 
The no on issue one side spent over $14 million. The overwhelming majority came from a Swiss billionaire. Because you said it a moment ago, we cannot allow our constitution, our foundational document to be bought by the Soroses of the world. Well, in this case, it's not Soros. It's a, it's a Swiss leftist billionaire that has, uh, you know, that has targeted the Ohio race or this Ohio election, I should say, to what I think will be, you know, the first of many dominoes to fall in other statewide initiatives where they can't win via the legislative process. So they say the hell with the representative republic we were built upon. Let's turn us each state into a direct democracy where everybody votes with constitutional amendments like they do in California. And Peter, we can win this despite being outspent. It is all about GOP, Republican, not that this is a partisan matter, but it is what it is. Republicans need to turn out en masse today, undo any gains they may have gotten during early voting, and get out there and bring co-workers to the poll with you and tell everybody why it's so important to strengthen our, do- our, our foundational document and vote yes today on issue one. Get out there, everybody. We can do this. Yeah, Bob, thanks very much for that. It's imperative that we get out there. Issue one is big. Vote yes on issue one. I'll say that a number of times before the end of the day. Vote yes on issue one. No excuses, folks. Get out there and do it. If you're at work right now listening on the radio or listening on an app, make sure that when whenever your workday is done, you take the time. This is one of the privileges we have, the rights we have as an American. That is, we get to determine which way our country is going or which way our state is going, which way our city is going, any political subdivision. We get to determine that, but not if we don't exercise the franchise. And it only takes a few minutes to do so. We don't have the money. We don't have the media that the left has. They have got that sewn up. That's right. And, and because of that, we start at a disadvantage. What we do have is common sense and we have the people, but only if you register you register your opinion by voting. Imperative to do so. Brian Marino said so. Bob France said so. Pete Kersnow said so. But more importantly, the founding fathers wanted us to do this. And remember, a constitution is a constitution, not an ordinance, not a regulation. It's not something that should be the subject of whim, can be changed at a moment's notice. It's something that we need to know is foundational. It's going to be there for a long time. It sounds, Bob, like they're giving me the high sign here. And I was mistaken, folks. Please call in. I thought my time was coming up to be about up, but I still got another 45 minutes to an hour. Welcome your calls. Anybody who I cut off, call back in. I'm sorry about that because I thought my time, I was up against the clock, but we got Bob on here. Bob's, Bob, if you want to call back, please feel free to do so. We've got a lot to talk about, including issue one, about the Biden administration, about crime, about the infrastructure in this country, about the fact that China, despite what people are now saying, is still eating our lunch in many respects, their Navy, all kinds hey, of things. Hey, Pete. Pete, let me just say before I go, thank you for sitting in for me. It feels great knowing I've got you there when I can't be behind that microphone. Keep up the great work today, my friend. Thanks, Bob. And I just got an email from the FCC. Um, Bad news. (laughs) You take good care, buddy. I'll see you. Take care, Bob. Pete Kersnow sitting for Bob France on Always Right. Call in. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? 
just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Cleveland. This is Pete Chris now sitting in for the great Bob France on Always Right. We had an interesting couple of hours that have just passed. Talked to Bernie Marino, Senate candidate, uh, about a variety of issues. I thought his answers were spectacular. We've talked about issue one, which is on the ballot today. Today is voting day. Get out there if you haven't yet cast your ballot and vote. No excuses, folks. We've got to preserve our Constitution in the state of Ohio, the great state of Ohio. We've been addressing a whole host of issues. We've got callers holding. We'll get to in just a moment. It occurred to me that I really didn't introduce myself, although I'm not sure that most of the callers or most of you listeners needed my introduction because you've heard me on Bob Francis' show for the last, I think it's been now six or seven, maybe even eight years now. I'm his regular Tuesday guest. I'm a lawyer, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, um, author of political thrillers and historical fiction such as Target Omega, Second Strike, Devil's Weapons. Devil's Weapons just came out uh, this year. I'm sorry, uh, around Christmas time of last year. And in a few months, the sequel to that one, Devil's Assassins, will be coming out. I think uh, it exceeds Devil's Weapons, if I do say so myself. And uh, Black Russian also, which is uh, not part of the W.B. Griffin series, but please pick it up. It's not going to be advertised for several months yet. It probably... Uh, I, my, my understanding is it probably won't come out until after Christmas. But again, Devil's Assassins will be coming out. And please buy them so I can send my granddaughters to college. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, despite those being in the pipeline, the real focus of my professional endeavors is to play in the NFL. Now, as all of you know, I'm still strong enough, fast enough, and mean enough to play NFL football, and the Browns will never win a Super Bowl title, title unless they use Now for one play. Call them, email, text them, tell them to get Now in there for one play. If I get killed, it will just increase sales. It's like, you know, sending the Christians to the lines. People will pay to see that kind of carnage. Now for one play. So, to all the callers out there, I was a little abrupt with some of you uh, last hour because I thought mistakenly that I was up against the complete hard break, although we had Bob coming up also. But in any event, we have callers holding. I'm going to go in order. Charlie's been holding the longest. Charlie in Lakewood, how are you? Good morning, Mr. Kersenow. Good morning. Uh, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about my experience at the polls this morning. Uh, I went to go check things out, and... Uh, there's a reason why we consider these people, we call these people demon rats. Uh, they have had a couple of no issue on issue one signs that said, stop the attack on women. What a crock of you know what to say, stop the attack on women. To piggyback off of what Bob said, issue one is about stopping 
Charlie, there? Ramming through their social... Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Couldn't... Uh, kind of lost you there for a second. Okay, Go ahead. Move me for a second? Go ahead. Okay. Issue, issue one is about stopping the left new strategy of ramming through their socialist wish list through our weak amendment process and, and nothing else. And if that has to do with this November initiative, then it has to do with the November initiative. But they're, but they're purposely putting out these messages that are false, lying, and misleading messages. And that, that's what they do. I want to see people going out to the polls. And when you go to the polls, you got to sign. If you're one of the people that had, was, was lucky enough to get an issue, uh, a yes on issue one sign, take it with you. And when you're pulling in or pulling out of your polling place, plan it in the area where all the signs are because it's going to do a lot better good there than it's going to do in your in your front yard today. If you got time, if you got a couple hours, go make a poster. Put something on there that says, stop socialism, vote yes on issue one. Protect young girls, vote yes on issue one. And go stand out by a polling place for a couple hours today. It's a nice day. Take the kids with you and a couple of lawn chairs and set up and, and do your job to get to get this passed so that we don't have to let the, 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 the left, whose ideas are so nuts, they know they can't get them through the legislature, so instead they're going to ram them through a weak amendment process that we have. Uh, Ohio is one of the only states that has this weak, weak threshold, and it's been working fine so far because they never, they never tried to pull this kind of crap before, and now they, they unveiled their new strategy, they unzipped their fly with, with this November initiative, and then the mayor of Cleveland confirmed it for everybody when he talked about how issue one has to be defeated so they can ram gun reform into the Ohio Constitution also. So think about that when people tell you that they're, that they're trying to protect women by not voting or by voting against issue one. It's a bogus lie. Vote yes on issue one. And let's, let's stop this garbage before it starts. Charlie, thanks very much for your comments. It was, uh, you, I think you covered the entire universe of uh, Issue 1. And yes, folks, again, I'll say it again, today's D-Day, go out there and vote. What you have to always keep in mind is, and I give them credit, the Democrats are better at this stuff than the Republicans are. Democrats are the power, the party of government. They've got this down to a science. That's why it's imperative for Republicans, ordinary voters, to make sure we exercise the franchise, we have to get involved. They are much more organized. They've got a lot more money than Republicans have. We have got the votes, but only if we actually cast a ballot. So let's see who else we've got here. I'm going in order here. Let's go to Terry and Hinckley. Terry, how are you? All right, Pete. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to talk to you again, Pete. Uh, to me, Pete, I think one of our most dangerous and debilitating problems that we have right now is our two-tiered system of justice, which is uh, pretty depressing when you look at it and consider that uh, really who you are depends on which system of justice you'll get. Well, you know, Terry, I do agree with you. It's dispiriting to think that, uh, but you can't come to virtually any conclusion after you watch what's been going on, at least at the DOJ level. Uh, it seems that there's one standard for the Biden administration and Democrats generally. And by the way, that standard is also one to which the media adheres scrupulously. And there's another standard for Republicans. We say again, it's so blatant. I, I don't even know why I have to repeat it, but we have 
what astonishes me, and I said this in a few speeches I gave over the last couple of weeks, what's most troubling, I think, about stories such as cocaine being found in the White House is not so much that cocaine was found in the White House as uh, you know bad as that may be, but the fact that when the story came out, everybody in the United States knew the provenance of that cocaine. Every single person. And the Secret Service knew, and the Secret Service nonetheless had the temerity to conduct a scant one-week investigation, and at the conclusion of that investigation said precisely what all of us knew, and that is, they don't know. They had the temerity to tell us that, and that tells you something. That tells you the contempt with which many in our government hold we, the American people, they think they can do virtually anything. That's what's most troubling. And the fact that they have this adherence to a two-tier system. You've got Merrick Garland sicking, you know, everybody and his brother against Donald Trump. But it's not just, you know, one of the things that, uh, one of the ads that Trump had in the last election cycle, he may still have it this one, that I think was most effective and resonated the most with me, at least, is the one where he's sitting there pointing at you saying, you know, they're not coming after me they're coming after you i'm just in the way and i that's right. I think that's exactly right you see what's happening to pro-life demonstrators the two-tiered system of ju- it, it i mean it can go on and on i'm not going to belabor it but <clears throat> terry you make a good point it's something upon which i deliberate very often and on the civil rights commission i see this look one of the reasons why i've been on the civil rights commission for over 20 years is to make sure that everybody has equal justice under the law and in my 20-plus years in the Civil Rights Commission, this is the first time I can say that we're going backwards, not forwards. Pete, could I, could I add just one more thing? One more. Uh, Pete, I know that uh, that your daughter is the smartest person you've ever met. <laughs> Admit it, Pete, you have never met, uh, you have never met Hunter Biden. <laughs> well, he is so smart that Every other government in the world wants to have access to him because this guy's a genius. China wants to have access to him. Ukraine, everybody does because he knows so much. He can make things so much better for those countries. Yep, no doubt about it. Son of a gun. Folks, we're in bad shape. But you know what? As smart as Hunter Biden is, his father's even smarter. (laughs) Terry, thanks so much. Let's go to going in order now. John and Chardon. John, how are you? Hey, morning, Pete. Um, I'd like to, first off, you had an earlier caller, and he was talking about the homosexual community and how they're all bad and so on. I've had enough experience in my 88 years to know to know people like that. And for them, that's normal. That's that's the normal thing for them. And so, you, you know, the, the area that I have a problem with when they have these parades and all that kind of stuff, when they flaunt it, but so much for that. Now, the other thing I'd like to talk to you about, I'd like to compare notes with you on your exercise regimen. <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe we can do that off air sometime. Yeah, we should do but, that uh, off air. I'll, I'll tell you just briefly, what I have, I varied the exercise regimen because I'm an old man. I've got, you know, you always have to change things up to, you know, challenge your muscles and stuff. But I really am, a, I'm an exercise freak, and I think it's something that motivates me, keeps me alert. It keeps me being able to do three different jobs. So, yeah, we'll compare our exercise routines. I can tell you that this past weekend what I was doing was what I call my modified SEAL workout. I modify it from 
you know, uh, Hell Week at SEALs don't do anything <laughs> even remotely close to what they do. I mean, what they do is ungodly. And I wonder, yeah. even if I was 50 years younger, whether or not I could ever do that. I've got so much respect for them. I know some of these folks, they're tremendous. But I did have a push-up and chin-up contest against two SEALs several years ago, and yours truly prevailed. So nonetheless, <laughs> but, but all the things they do... All the things they do, I could not ever, even even when I was younger, I couldn't do it. But let's do that. Let's um, let's compare yeah. notes one day. But right now, I'm, I'm going to go to some other callers that I've been holding for quite some time. Thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Tim in Chesterland. Tim, how are you? Good morning, Pete. I'm fine, thank you. Uh, Pete, I'm calling to ask if by chance you have any information regarding the uh, uh, push to... Uh, destroy the dollar, uh, but it's being done by the Federal Reserve, which, of course, is not federal, doesn't hold anything in reserve, and also the world bankers, uh, that they want to replace our current money system with their so-called digital yeah. uh, system, which is disastrous for us because it, it will give the demon rats every capability to to watch us, to, to determine what we spend, what we spend yep. our money on. If they don't like it, they can change it. They can uh, stop us from buying it. They can do such a multitude of things to us. It's, it's totally reprehensible. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, there's a Supreme, there had been a Supreme Court ruling that was issued many years ago stating that if there is a law that is made doesn't agree with the Constitution, it is no law and can be ignored. And that's what needs to be pushed and, and uh, talked more about to stop this corruption that's being perpetrated against us. Are you familiar with this push? Well, Tim, thanks very much for the call. Yeah, um, this is something upon which um, I've been speaking for a while now, and a lot smarter people than me, and there's a whole lot of people who are a lot smarter than me, have been addressing the elimination of currency and going to a digitized system is something that personally, based on what I've, what I know, is something we must resist mightily because we see in other, you know, China, for example, where they've got these credit systems, these social credit systems, when they can control the money, they can control you. And that's not a conspiracy theory. All you got to do is look at, for example, uh, Trudeau up in Canada when he wanted to cancel those truck drivers who were protesting. Um, if they can control access to your money, if they can control your money, and they can do so through computers, then we've got a very different United States of America. So um, this is something that is the subject of a more extended discussion with people far smarter than me when it comes to monetary policy and finances. But yes, bottom line is resist mightily any suggestion or any contempt that we should go to an easier, more efficient, computerized monetary system. That is the road to perdition. Uh, let's go to, let me see here, I think Tom has been holding the longest. Tom and Euclid, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. My question is, since China buys so much property in this country, and we know where the virus came from, is there a way that the U.S. government can take that property back and say, hey, we're going to take that money and give it to all the victims of the families? Well, it would be difficult to do so. I mean, you're talking about prop private property rights. 
Uh, I would suspect yeah. that you know the the government could you know on you know using a variety of emergency powers, war powers, say that you know there's some national strategic or security interest related to that. But to go to the essence of your point, um, there is a I don't really understand what the United States government is doing in permitting China right. to buy so much property that is near strategically important sites, missile bases, Minot missile yeah. it's, 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 it's astonishing. This is not, you know, conspiracy theory. China, without question, is our principal adversary. Some would say an overt enemy. There's no doubt that they want to supplant us as the number one power in the world, and the world would look vastly different if that was the case. Yet we're being so cavalier about this. The Biden administration yeah. is sent our strategic oil reserves to China. Stunning. Stun- yeah. This is our yeah. strategic oil reserves. They're doing so many things capitulating to China. It, it's, it's extraordinary. We cannot continue to do this. We can't be complete fools and idiots, and we have to have a smarter strategic outlook when it comes to some of the things that uh, that you're uh, uh, talking about. This cannot exist. We can't continue to do something like this. Um, well, yes. If the U.S. government could go to a people, let's go to a city that says, I want to put a building right here, or we got to tear all these houses down, I don't remember that word that they use. That they uh, like eminent domain? Yeah. yeah. How come we can't do that? Well, you know, there's a lot of complicating um, uh, factors there, but I think, to go to your point, what we have to be smarter about is looking at the dangers to the United States of America. You know, when you talk about China can do these kinds of things because it is a totalitarian regime. We are not totalitarian. If a farmer wants to sell his property or if a property owner wants to sell his property, only under certain circumstances may the government intervene to prevent that, okay? And there's good reasons for that. Okay, we live in a free society, but by the same token, we're not going to be a free society if we continue to cede land, regardless of its strategic importance, to our principal adversary. we got to get smarter. Tom, thanks very much for the call. I want to get to some other callers before the uh, end of the hour. We've got, in order, Jim in West Park. Jim, how are you? Yes, Peter. Uh, This is is more, this this, uh, issue one is just a lot more, than just, you know, abortion on demand. You got ranked choice voting. You got the right to work. You got police reform. You got school choice and credit score. And they, the Democrats want to turn this state blue again. So that's it. There's more than just you know, women's health care here. There's a whole bunch of things that they want to ram through, like they did in Colorado, like they did in Alaska, and 38 other states with this ranked choice voting. So that's all I got to say. I Jim, those are great comments. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Jim dropped. But Jim, if you're still listening, thanks very much for those comments. Very important. Again, please, folks, vote yes on issue one. You've got what, maybe eight more hours, seven more hours to do so? Make sure you vote yes, issue one. Let's go to Mark in Fairview Park. Mark, how are you? I'm fine, Peter. I just wanted to mention that uh, I figured you had some kind of connection with football or whatever, playing football, because 
yesterday Khalid was talking, and he said he ran into you one time and hit your arm or something, and you almost knocked him on the floor. What? He said that arm was. He said that arm was like a like a concrete column, and uh, you know I was laughing, and enjoyed that. But then I thought back. I said, you know, Peter must be like uh, the Russian in uh, the one Rocky, where Carl Weathers comes up and he brings his gloves down, and he's hitting uh, the Russian's gloves, and it's like a solid brick wall. And Carl Weathers looks and says, you know, you can see in his eyes. Uh oh, I think I'm in trouble. But uh, I, ju- I just got some enjoyment out of that. Well, thanks so, very uh, much. Yeah, okay. you know, because of misspent youth, I spent a lot too much time on maintaining my physical condition. I've got to do so to maintain blood flow to this uh, kind of puny and inadequate brain, so I can think and and be you know fast on my feet. But again, I am, and I know that uh, this sounds peculiar, but I am one of the biggest advocates for for uh, physical. Oh, we're up at the bottom of the hour here. They're telling me so. Thanks very much for the call. I think we've got still, uh, do we have, how much more time do we have? Okay, we've got Arnie, please hold on. We've got Joan, please, everybody who's holding, please hold in. I'm going to get to everybody that I can before we have to terminate this, and Bob loses his FCC license. Personnel sitting in for the great Bob France, in my estimation, the best talk show host in America. And now that we no longer have Rush Limbaugh and haven't had him, unfortunately, for a while, uh, the best uh, that we're going to see for quite some time. Let's go to the callers again. We've got a few more minutes left. Arnie in Cleveland. Arnie, how are you? Oh, hi, Peter. Yeah, um, the question I had is with you and Bob being uh, talking about your football exploits, are we going to see a charitable event where it's a one-on-one game with an official quarterback to see who's the best? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. We play different positions, so I'm not sure how we're going to be able to do that. But I still can run the 40 and 4-6. I know that's not very fast, but at my age, that's super fast. And uh, you know how I've been bragging about my bench press. So in any event, yeah, yeah I was if, thinking with the if we could do a charitable event, yeah, where we could do, you know, the combine one One-on-one official quarterback. And we, then, yeah. you know, you switch off. One goes out, and then you play, you know, best of three or something. Yeah, but maybe we could do a competition with combine events, like the 40, the bench press, you know, 225 as many times. Yeah, we'll try to do something like that. All right, thanks so much for your call. Thanks very much for your call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Joanne in Twinsburg. Joanne, how are you? Hi. It's a pleasure and an honor, to be honest, and I'm going to be serious, unfortunately. Um, My question is, is, you know, with this case about January 6th and Jack Smith, He's asking for a speedy trial. I thought that was the defense's purview, not the prosecution. Am I wrong? I don't know that. I couldn't tell you. I'm not a criminal lawyer. I don't you know follow I mean? these asking, things. You know, I mean, he's asking for a speedy trial. I thought that only. Yeah, I, that's what to I thought defense. too. But again, I'm not a criminal lawyer. I'm a labor and employment lawyer. I try to stay away from things that are not within <laughs> my area of expertise. I get dangerous <laughs> when that happens. But it does make sense that the theory behind speedy trials, so that's the accused. The accused has got the ability to get the albatross off his neck as quickly as possible. Not that you put pressure on the accused by making it go faster. That is the prosecution wanting to go faster. But I wouldn't know that. Maybe a criminal uh, law expert can uh, chime in. If you want to ask 
questions about employment law, I'm your guy. I used to be on the National Labor <laughs> Relations Board. I've been doing this for 44 yeah, years. No, like I said, it just seems to me that if it took them two years to investigate it, I don't know how they expect him to put on a defense in two months. Yeah, well, I, you know, I have to say I am not particularly, uh, I don't want to cast aspersions on anyone, including Jack Smith or anyone else. I don't know the man. I just go back to the previous caller who talked about the two-tiered system of justice. And forgive me, whoever it was who called, it was a great call. I just don't remember precisely who it was. Right. But uh, nonetheless, we have, a, you know, I think a lot of conservatives are coming to the conclusion that there are two standards of justice. We're seeing it over and over again. We saw two different standards when it came to the media. That was overt. That was clear. That's been going on for, you know, as long as we've been alive. Do you uh, agree but, that this is a pile-on? Oh, there's no I doubt. Mean, there's none. Okay. There's none whatsoever. None whatsoever. And, you know, yeah. as many people have said, and I can't, you know, you can't prove this, but you look at the juxtaposition of events. Every time that Biden seems to get into some kind of trouble, um, next thing you know, yeah. Trump's getting indicted for something. It's just, it's just really extraordinary. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Amazing. You know, it may simply be coincidence, but, uh, you know, who was it who said, you know, one time, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, one time is, is happenstance, two times is coincidence. I don't remember three times is enemy action. No such thing as a coincidence with these people. Right. No such thing. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's how we have it. And it's unfortunate My, in the United States of America that we're even questioning that. I, again, yes. I don't know what the circumstances are, but I know a lot of very smart people with whom I've been dealing over the years, both inside and outside the Beltway, they're for the first time questioning what the heck is going on. And there shouldn't be a question in a constitutional republic. The, well, the American people must have full confidence in the unbiased administration of justice. And maybe there is an unbiased administration of justice, but there's so much out there that makes people wonder what's going on. And that's a danger. The question is a danger. Go ahead, And Joanne. also, I just wanted to say, I was at the polls at 7 o'clock this morning. I was surprised by how many people. Last year in August, there was nobody, and this year there was a lot. And what and do you I think was, that I means? Was, I think that means we're going to win. I hope that's the case. I you really know, do hope I, that's I'm the case. I'm hoping that people who are really passionate about murdering and mutilating will stand up, yeah. you know, because that's what this, you know, to me that's the main thing. Sure, the other stuff, you know, not protecting the cops and all the other stuff is bad enough, but, you know, if you're a murderer or a mutilator, you got no business in this state. <laughs> Joanne, thanks so much for the call. Thank I'm you. sorry I couldn't definitively answer your question, but there's a lot of questions I can't answer. A uh, couple things. Number one is let me reiterate, and uh, right now we still have lines free, even though we've only got a couple of minutes left. So if you want to call in, I'll try to take your call. But I want to reiterate the importance of voting yes on issue one. There's a reason why all of us are passionate about this, and I think we've had very, very good callers describing some of the downsides if we don't get this passed. We don't have the ability to compete one-on-one -on -one with the progressives. They've got far more money than we do, and to their credit, they are far better organized than Republicans are. You know, the historically being called the stupid party for a variety of reasons, but we are not organized because we like to be left alone. We don't want the government to be intruding upon every single thing. We are not organized in that regard. We want to go about our, our, our private endeavors. The Democrats, they are organized. They're very good at what they do. Give them credit for what they do. They're extremely good. And let's, let's face it, you know, all of us have Democratic friends, Democratic relatives. Um, you know, for, for the longest time, you know, I was a Democrat until the Clarence Thomas hearings myself, full confession, up until the 1990 Clarence Thomas hearings. 
I've been a nominal Democrat. I live in inner city Cleveland. Um, only my wife and I are the only registered Republicans in our ward. I would have no way of voting for anyone in the primary if, um, you know, I were otherwise. But then after the Clarence Thomas hearings, I said, I can't, I can't abide a party that does this kind of stuff and went off. I was always a conservative, but then finally went off and became a Republican. Folks, important to vote on issue one and another point of personal privilege. I have had the honor and privilege of speaking throughout the country, but especially in my native Ohio and northeast Ohio, which I love dearly. As I mentioned before, just in the last few weeks, I've been in about four or five different venues, Strongsville and Lakewood, and I can't remember all the different places I was at. But one place, as I said at the outset, I have not been invited to in quite some time is Brexville, Cuyahoga Valley Republicans, and I still think they hold a grudge because I defeated them with returning an interception 50 yards for a touchdown. They were so slow. They couldn't match Kersenow's speed, and we defeated them. But nonetheless, great people out in Brexville. I actually have a brother-in-law who lives out there, maybe listening here, and he scares the heck out of me. Great American, though. Great American. Folks, they're telling me we're coming up against the hour, uh, the the um, uh, conclusion of the show. I want to thank everybody who's called. I want to thank everybody at the station. I think we had a fire in the station at some point. That happens every time I come here. Something goes ablaze, and you know this. You, you got to wonder. You have to wonder every time Kersnell's on air. I say something about the FBI. Next thing you know, consoles are ablaze. We lose power. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's a peculiar coincidence that every time personnel's on, something like this happens. So anyway, if you're an FBI agent out there, please call in next time I'm on. I'd like to ask a few questions about this. There's something very strange going on here. And again, Rexville GOP, you better invite me to come and talk sense to everybody there who's not in the GOP so we can convert people because that should be a completely red stronghold. A couple of other points I want to make now. Cleveland Browns, you better win this year. No excuses. Deshaun Watson has had some time to get acclimated to the system, get his timing down with wide receivers. We got some very good wide receivers. We got the best running Back in football in Nick Chubb Barnon. We've got a good offensive line. I'm somewhat agnostic about the defense. No disrespect to those on defense. I just haven't been able to evaluate the defense. I understand we got ourselves a new defensive lineman who some people say might be a good match for Miles um, Garrett. If that's the case, Kevin Stefanski, you better win. If you want to ensure winning, put Kersenow in for one play one play i may not have the same speed i used to have may not have the same strength i used to have but i am mean as sin you put me in i will win peakers now sitting in for the great bob france thank you very much the great city of cleveland ohio let's go brandon Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.